This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for coming out on this very dreary day. We are so excited to be at Feast in Portland for a live recording of Women Who Travel, a podcast from Connie Nast Traveler. With me, as always, is my co-host, Salera Koglu. Hi. And I am Meredith Carey, and today we are joined by Megan Sanchez, chef and a co-owner of Guero, a Nong Punsukutana, owner of Nong's Cow Mangai. Thank you both so much for being here on this, like, really treacherous, treacherous day in Portland. I can't feel my feet. I'm (laughs) freezing cold, but so happy to be here. And today we're going to talk about the ways that our immigrant backgrounds or our family's immigrant backgrounds shape the way that we eat and create food. Uh, Nong and Megan, both of your restaurants draw so much from your respective connections to Thailand and to Mexico. Why don't we kick things off by having you tell us a little bit about the food you grew up eating? Sure. A little known fact is that my mother's Egyptian and I actually grew up close in proximity to that side of the family. So yeah, the Mexico side, those influences are there. But to start with, yeah, a lot of a lot of Middle Eastern food and that style of eating, which is just a lot of food, a lot of family, a lot of people around and just sort of an, an indulgence and never ending party. <laughs> Hi. The food I grew up in um, is kind of home food. We didn't have money, so uh, we cook every meal. So um, the experience that uh, I have is food that make at home, but made from scratch. And so with Megan, you've got that Middle Eastern vibe, the like shared meze plates and all that stuff, very communal. And then Nong, it's like home cooked food. How do both of you think that has kind of seeped its way onto the menus you've created today? Yeah, we, doing a podcast yesterday here, we were talking about the challenge with that for me because that's what's natural to eat, that way where you're like picking as you're eating and you're talking and your hands are in food and all that. But tortas are like these massive plates of food. So it's a bit of a challenge to figure out what can accompany that and that's going to be, you know, not not just kill you. So we have a lot of like pickles and, and little fruit salads and things like that that add to it. Um, but yeah, that part of the experience is nice and it, and it suits Mexican food with salsas and escabeches and all of that. So, uh, so for me, um, the food uh, at Nong's Khao Mang Kai is the food that I grow up want to eat. <laughs> yes, but uh, there's uh, a lot of 
good vendors uh, in Thailand, and my goal was uh, want to be as good as them, or better, or up there. <laughs> I'm curious because you both obviously live in Portland now, but you have to find inspiration somewhere, maybe potentially outside of this city. So, where do you go for inspiration, and where do you travel for inspiration for things to bring back to? either your restaurant or your day-to-day -day life? Uh, since traveling is uh, one of my dreams and uh, because of the food cart is doing well, so I uh, have a privilege to be able to travel. And uh, so I have been uh, traveling to a lot of places. I went to uh, Indonesia, uh, to Bali, Japan, Europe, and, and uh, in the uh, United States as well. And I think that the more I travel, it reassure me uh, about what I do. Like when I travel outside of the States, uh, a lot of people, they doing just one thing on the menu and it's their craft and they do it for a long time and just focus on the consistency of uh, both food and service which is not easy to do in that sense too, you know. So um, I think that it kind of reassured me that it's okay for me to do that. Yeah, to second what Nong said, you know, we had food carts right next to each other for years and, you know, when in this business, I think it's hard to ever get away and it's such a privilege to be able to travel and I think both of our restaurants are established enough to the point and we're so grateful that we get these opportunities to go away sometimes. Going to Mexico, that's always where I'm typically headed for inspiration for the restaurant. And there's like this sense of being allowed to play with Mexican food because people here sometimes have um, a tight view of what that looks like. But traveling throughout Mexico and seeing how many iterations of a single dish there are and how, how vast it is and, and um, how one family to the next does things so differently. Like Nong was saying, it kind of reminds me I'm, I'm allowed to interpret things the way that I'd like and um, the way I think people will respond to, and that's sort of a Mexican tradition in and of itself. So yeah, that's always really inspirational when I'm, when I'm there and getting to see different parts of the, the country. Megan, I'm intrigued how you plan those trips to Mexico when you're doing research. Like, what's your like, kind of plan of attack when you hit the ground? Um, the last few times it's been mezcal focused because um, there's so much to know and so much to see and you could spend a lifetime in, in Oaxaca learning about that. But yeah, several times I've gone on a mission for like one dish, like, okay, let's go to Guadalajara so we can really see a torta ahogada and how that's done. But really, I, I could just be set loose in Mexico City forever and, and never leave like a four mile radius and I, I think there's like a lifetime of learning right there so and I'm I'm interested because personally my dad's Turkish but I've never lived there but I feel like I have this like quite like nostalgic connection to what I think Turkey is and what I think Turkish food is and what life is there even though I've ever basically just vacationed in that country. I'm wondering if you share that like sense of nostalgia with the places that your parents are from and whether like that has kind of fueled your creative process at all? Yeah, so actually my, my dad is a third generation Angelino, so I, I get a bit of that going to LA, feeling immersed in Chicano 
culture. I think that's where I have that sense of that. And in Mexico, I, there I think I feel more like a tourist and viewing from the outside a bit. But yeah, I think there's these moments where you, you feel those roots and it, you have this sense of connection um, somewhere where your parents hail from or descended from. And, and definitely, I actually, um, we just took a family trip with my mom's side. We were in uh, Greece and then London and we went to an Egyptian restaurant, which for us is like, you know, there's always Lebanese restaurants and other Middle Eastern spots and to find an, an actually like Egyptian owned restaurant at, in the Northwest anyway, that, that's like, that doesn't happen. So we lose our minds when we go. And um, it was so informative to just like be there and there's all these things like not being around other Egyptian families like you think it's just you and then you meet other Egyptians and you're like oh my god like are, are we relate we must be related because you're so like me but it turns out it's just like oh I'm more Egyptian than I even knew um, we seriously walked into this restaurant in London and we were like that's probably an uncle of ours right like <laughs> like do, how, how did he get here I don't know it was so funny but I'm Chris Murphy. I'm Richard Lawson. And I'm Hilary Busis. We are from Vanity Fair's Still Watching Podcast. Next up, we're watching the new HBO show, The Regime. Madam Chancellor, let's keep the gloves on. This is not a confrontation. We're just saying what's true. Academy Award winner Kate Winslet is our chancellor as she leads a faux European autocracy in turmoil. We'll be watching week by week as the regime unravels. And we'll be talking to the stars along the way. New episodes of Still Watching will drop every Sunday after the regime airs. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to level up? For me, it's my hiking boots, which have gotten me over some pretty tough terrain. And I'm not talking about my morning commute on the New York City subway. They've pushed me to go to far off places like trekking in the remote mountains in Patagonia, wildlife spotting amid the thick rainforest of the Amazon, and climbing through canyons in the Utah desert. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. There's an available panorama glass roof, 33-inch all-terrain tires, and multi-terrain select driving modes. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior means that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. A lot of food and travel is spoken about in terms of authenticity, and you've both kind of spoken about getting to play with or focus on specific things. What do you think that term, authenticity, I think it just gets thrown around so much, what it even means, and and is it a good thing or a bad thing when people say, oh, this is very authentic? Yeah, <laughs> that, that word, that, that whole thing. Yeah, I think, like, the more that we're, I think our world is celebrating our differences, we feel less of a pressure to minimize our otherness and all the little rich complexities of who a person is sort of seems to be like coming out because we're letting it and we're and we're we're wanting to show all those like little things of our of our family's past and our and our personal experience and all that 
And as we do that, I think we, we don't see people as like, oh, oh you're this one thing, because so, so few of us are one thing, you know, like we're, we've got this mix of influences and um, I think that's coming through in, in people's creative expression of all kind, like music and like we're in the Lizzo era where it's like, you know, just like be you and do your thing and whatever, and that's coming through through cooking as well. I don't know, I think of authenticity now as there's the food and what's that authentic, you know, you know, how is authenticity being expressed through your cooking? That's one layer. Then who are you, the person cooking it? And are you coming through through that? And then where are you cooking it? And that's, you know, there's all these layers. So if like that package, if there's an authenticity behind all of that and, and capturing all of that, then that's, that's where something's authentic. Not like, oh, this is like a historically accurate sense of this dish, you know? Um, so I think like a person's personality and, and the sense of place coming through is just as important as, as the food itself. So uh, I did some research and it say being authentic means coming from a real place. It is when our actions and words are congruent with our beliefs and values. I also found a, a quote that speaks to me. The privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. Um, so I have a story about um, uh, this dish. Uh, uh, it's called uh, American fried rice. So um, that uh, I actually uh, grew up eating that. And it's the ri fried rice mixed with ketchup and raisins topped with fried egg, uh, side of hot dog, bacon, and ham. So, what do you think of that? Like, <laughs> I'm trying I, to break it down. <laughs> it's really good, you know. But I never been on the plane. You know, the only American I know is like watching American Pie, you know, and and yeah, all, <laughs> you know, Speed, you know, Tom Cruise, you know, Keanu Reeves. We make a bad impression in this. <laughs> but when I come to America. I cannot order American fried rice. Can you tell me where I can get uh, American fried rice, guy? <laughs> or burrito, you know? And um, I just think that it reflects uh, the, the person at that time. Therefore, like, you know, in the business sense, uh, example for like Khao uh, Mang so I make uh, chicken and rice, and my, that's my specialty. Anyway, when the customer come to the car, they got this uh, chicken and rice, and this is the flavor that they got. And one of the key is that when they come again, they want the same thing. You know, something that they 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 tasted before. And and um, so so be careful if you create a business. You know, <laughs> you stuck with it. <laughs> you know, because if you keep changing, you know. Um, they, they, they don't like that, you know? So I, I just think that also when people say authentic, I, I think like in that sense, like where are they from? Uh, you know, have they been to Thailand? You know, or it, it's, just, it's just a lot of things. And I think it just, it's almost like a tattoo, right? It's like create at that time of like what's available. But I think that whatever it reflects, you at that time. So even like I think like you know that's mom and pop shop, uh, like a Korean mom and pop shop. You know uh, they are my neighbor. That that shop called Korean Twist, and they make um, 
like a, a Korean burrito, you know, and um, they're not like a hip chop or anything, but they are so nice and their food is good. We make it taste good. Also, the person who make it matters, and that's the authentic. You were saying that your chicken and rice dishes, you feel like at the time your most authentic dish when you guys started out. So Do you, would you say that mm-hmm. to you, like reflecting oh, you, is yeah. that still your most authentic dish? Yes, yeah, it, it represents me at the time and I, I'm stuck with it. <laughs> and Megan, what do you feel like is, you know, talking about speaking through the food would be your most authentic dish at this time on your menu? Ooh, um, maybe our torta ahogada. It is a sort of classic rendition of, of that dish. It's typically like a spicy like tomato and chile sauce. And um, we use our, the cooking liquid from our pollo pibil, which just has so much flavor. And there's nothing uh, traditional about using those flavors in that dish. But it's something we have in our kitchen where we wouldn't want to throw away. And we add it to that. And it's become sort of, yeah, it looks like a torta ahogada, but then it tastes like something else that is just uh, a product of us using what we have and what we think tastes nice and what we think our customers will love. And so, um, yeah, I would say it's authentic to us and it's, yeah, unique in a way and totally classic in another way. Life doesn't come with an instruction manual, but the Life Kid podcast gets you pretty close. Whether we're helping you tackle life-altering questions or just your everyday pickles, we've got deeply human solutions to your deeply human problems. Listen now to the Life Kit podcast from NPR. And so, Nong, you moved to Portland in the early 2000s, right? Yeah. How important was food in finding your kind of community and your, like, Portland family when you kind of first moved here and didn't know anyone? And I say this as someone else who moved to America and didn't know anyone, and it can be really tough. Yes. I think that... Um, I also like didn't realize that uh, what what it comes with uh, creating a restaurant and a business, what what impact it to uh, other people's lives, you know. And then um, and it took me a while because I wasn't like really comfortable, you know. But I think that um, now I embrace it. That um, I realize that my role is uh, to be a leader, and I have a chance right here to make the difference. And, and it's, it has to be real, it has, it's, it's really come from my heart. So like with my team, you know, I, let's say like, I, I used to get frustrated of like, oh yeah, like why nobody care as much as I do, things like that, and it used to bother me. But then when I uh, think on the other end of like, you know, what it involves other people's life, and you know we spend a lot of time together so it's like it's it we become kind of like a family you know because we 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 had to take both like good and bad and they have become family and what i found that is really good is and and i hope it can help other people is that when i genuinely want to help someone my team to do better in their lives the result is is amazing, uh, and it just all come from uh, you know. Sometimes you point them in the direction, uh, in some direction, and 
you genuinely want to help them or just make that day better, even like little stuff or like, you know, care about um, their well-being. And when I first came, I, I didn't receive it as a worker. It's just like, you know, I show up and work and um, I, I didn't get treated well. But but when um, it's my turn, you know, it would be so easy like to do the same, but I, I chose uh, not to do that, and I I found the the result. I think it's it it feel really good to can really make a difference to someone. And Megan, now you have like a brick and mortar space. Was like kind of creating a sense of community and kind of that that warmth and kind of support system important when building it. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, it kind of just felt like an opportunity to, to grow the thing we already had. Um, and I think, yeah, so, so much of that culture that Nong was describing, it, it's being in a food cart sort of fosters that because you're, you're working, you're all doing every single job together. And yeah, you do that for long enough with a person and you do feel like family. And that sense of that was so strong when we moved into our restaurant. and. We actually tried to implement a sort of similar structure, which turned out like over that much square footage was like <laughs> kind of challenging. Like you had to kind of break off and, and do do things separately to make it run smoothly. But um, there's still the spirit of it is very much still there in our space. And um, yeah, I think when we started our business, I saw being in business for ourselves as sort of an impediment to a rich social life because I worked all the time and over time, it's, it's shifted to be the opposite where I feel like the restaurant's such a tool to, to build family and be able to support people the way you'd want to be supported. And um, yeah, we've seen our, st you know, we have a staff of 30 now, um, like greatest team in the world. And you, you think about like all the past generations of groups of people that have worked together and worked with you. And it's, it's so broad by the end of the day. Like there's so many people. I know so like we've had people who've worked in both of our restaurants who are like family to both of us, I'm sure. And um, yeah, it's just, just a huge number of people to touch and who get to be part of your life. And you see them through like getting married and becoming grandparents and they move in together and they you know, start bands together and all this stuff. And you, you're like, that's the biggest you know, like my biggest sense of achievement, not that I did anything personally other than just was there and witnessed all that like amazing connection between so many people. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a really cool privilege. Do you think that, because obviously kitchens and restaurants have a reputation for being these very like aggressive male spaces. And do you think that the atmosphere and the sense of community that both of you have fostered in your restaurants kind of speaks to a wider trend. Do you think the tide is turning and people are trying to do more positive things in their workplaces? Oh, um, I, um, I hope so. You know, I think that uh, when, when women leads, it's different, you know. Women uh, is, uh, you know, uh, naturally a caretaker it's just like our uh, mother instinct. There's millions of women around the world that has to be a leader uh, for their family, uh, sole provider, you know, for their family. And uh, I think that I am lucky to be in the country that is one, it's one, uh, I can say that it's the best place to be a woman 
and you know, uh, I think that um, it comes with uh, responsibility. Power comes responsibility. Spider Man, you know. So, um, so it it just. <laughs> um, I I have a, a little quote that that I like, uh, you know. You know, leader is a person or thing that holds a dominant or superior position within its field and is able to exercise a high degree of control or influence over others. Also, leaders challenge the status quo. And uh, as a woman, you know, I think that even in the States, you know, it's a... Uh, uh, Restaurateur, chefs, you know, you know, it's the fact is it's a boys' club, but there's a lot of female that do it, and I think that uh, it it should be growing. And uh, if you listen to this, uh, I w I want to tell you that you're not alone, and I want to like empower you, and I want to tell you that uh, you can really make the difference. Going off of what you were saying, you guys had carts near each other for a long time and are now sitting here with brick and mortar stores and have grown so much. Are there other women in Portland you think are doing really amazing jobs that you want to shout out here? Yeah, and, um, another sort of like sister in the, the food cart heyday that I feel like we, we both got to be a part of um, is Jessie Aaron. She's opening a restaurant here in Portland soon, uh, which will be called Malka. And she's such a talented chef. She, her food is indescribable, and she's she's such an uplifter for other women and, and just people in in the community. So I'm so much looking forward to what she what she builds, and it's so cool to yeah, I've, like Nong and I have you know with her have had the experience of the the food cart life and the cool way people support you when you come from like a little trailer of food. You know, so looking forward to that. And uh, when Feast uh, was started, I think, and then one of the uh, chefs that um, I remember, she wearing a pink chef coat. Uh, her name is Lisa, and her restaurant is uh, Matters Bistro and, uh, in uh, Portland, Oregon. And um, yeah, she just uh, like a really like a big personality. And uh, I used to think uh, that like, oh, you know, like I'm a newcomer, it's intimidating, and um, like, you know, she's scared that I'm gonna take her crown and all that, you know, but but when I got to know her, you know, she's awesome and really supportive, you know, and I just feel like, you know, sometimes uh, it, it, it look intimidated at first, you know, but I just think that you might be surprised because I feel that strong women support and we need more of that because there is uh, a lot of times when uh, some women that uh, didn't uh, get to be uh, what they can be, like, you know, sometimes they they are uh, uh, not supportive as well. And, and that's normal. So it's like, you know, we, as a woman, like, we have to, you know, kind of fight our own race, even, like, to be strong. But I... I, I really believe that uh, strong women hold other strong women up. Perfect. Well, that feels like the perfect place to wrap up today. If our listeners here or whenever this goes up on the internet uh, want to find you online, where could they find you on social media? 
Yes. So my restaurant is called Nong's Khao Mang Gai. Uh, social media is at Nong's Khao Mang Gai or uh, Nong KMG. <laughs> and yeah. again? And my restaurant, Guero or Guero. <laughs> um, you can find us at Guero PDX. Perfect. I am at There Mayor. I'm at Lale Hanna. And you can find new episodes of Women Who Travel on iTunes and Spotify every Tuesday. And you can read about our stories, meetups, trips to Colombia and Mexico at womenwhotravel.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. The Run for Revoke is where you'll meet all the most exciting people in fashion and culture. I am Fran Libowicz. Um, who should be the mayor of New York? We all support yeah, that. we support that. Very <laughs> <laughs> <Right> nice. <laughs> Nikki? Yes? It's been really great she being in this beautiful pink room. All right, Asher, can you hear us? I can hear you. All right. Can you hear me? We can. We can. All right, here we are. On the podcast, you'll learn how Vogue really works. Sometimes we'll come in for a second or even third run through until we are AWOK. Can you tell us what AWOK means? It means um, A-W-O-K and a winter OK. I'm Cho Minardi. And I'm Chloe Mal. And we're the hosts of The Run Through with Vogue, where fashion and culture collide. Join us. It's AWOK. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.